Hey, hey, welcome into the Big Ten Huddle. I'm your host, JR, and with me today I have Russ from the Boiler Express, and I have casual Big Ten Kent with me to discuss all the games that were going on this weekend. We had a pretty good game Friday night. We'll get into a little bit. I think Russ uh, enjoyed it a little bit, so we'll make sure we give him his time to talk and gloat a little bit there. I know any Illinois fans that are watching might dislike that, but don't worry, Illinois fans, I will stick up for you a little bit, all right? I do have some good things to say about you, even in a loss, so we will we will get that. Uh, and then, of course, uh, Kent's favorite team, the Iowa Hawkeyes, right? I know you're not an Iowa fan, but you've basically, like, assumed them this year. You drafted Tony Perkins in our little draft, so, um, you know, they, they won big. So, uh, happy times here, except for me and my Buckeyes. <laughs> they, uh, they did what Buckeyes do. So that's all I have to say. We'll get into that one later. Russ, go ahead, introduce yourself and tell people where they can find you at. Yes, I'm Russ from the Boiler Express podcast. Uh, you can find Boiler Express anywhere you find podcasts. We also go live on on Twitter, on Facebook, YouTube. Check us out there. Uh, if you want to at me personally, I'm at BXP underscore Russ. I've done some uh, challenge videos out there lately, especially with the Illinois fan base and one of their podcasts. So if you want to follow some of my own personal takes, you can see me there as well. Very good. Very good. Kent, why don't you tell people about you, where they can find you at? Uh, Casual Big Ten on Twitter. Uh, every once in a while, I hop on YouTube and put out a podcast as well. I'll do one uh, probably after the national championship tomorrow and do a little basketball recap. I got to know, though, JR, I have a question for you, actually. Did you lose a bet then, or are you just supporting the conference today what's what's with the hoodie man yeah uh we'll go with supporting the conference no uh my in-laws are all iu fans um and so they got me this hoodie and i kind of pseudo root for iu on the side i guess because it makes my in-laws happy um mm-hmm. you know i i and they have season <laughs> tickets so i get to go to the game every now and then so i feel like if i kind of pseudo root for them i get to go to more college basketball games so that's fun. there you go um but yeah no i uh um yeah they lost and I'm wearing the hoodie, so it is what it is. But I do have the Ohio State hat, so that's a still, that's a look right there. The Ohio State hat with the Indiana hoodie. That is a just, look. Just call me Bob Knight, all right? Just call me Bob Knight. I'm a little <laughs> Ohio State, a little IU, uh, and and uh, Russ probably hates it, but that's okay. So yeah, I, I think Kent, he's just wearing it to keep me in check a little bit, keep yeah. me down yeah. off my high a little bit. Yeah, yeah. 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 no doubt. Uh, rest in peace, Bob Knight. Uh, true college basketball legend all right we'll go ahead and we'll get into it it's enough bob knight talk we'll let russ talk about his boilermakers a little bit because boilermakers they had a huge win 83 to 78 over illinois a top 10 win it was at home in mackey uh mackey's a super tough place to play and illinois found that out quick purdue got into a huge run to start the game what was it like 17 to 4 to start the game or something like that it was huge uh and it Kind of, you know, that, that kind of led most of the rest of the game. Illinois made a comeback in the second half, but really they, they just made a gap that Illinois really wasn't able to close until close to the end of the game. And Purdue pulled ahead and, and made it happen. So, Russ, what were some of your thoughts about this Purdue Illinois game? Yeah. So, like you said, it's a really big win and it was really big too. I'll give Sonny from Line I Cast uh, some props on his research. Uh, he mentioned that Purdue has lost their first home game the last couple of years of the new of the year in January, because usually the student section isn't there. Paint crew isn't there, which again, they weren't there. I think there was a small faction of them that came back, but classes don't start until uh, tomorrow. Now uh, as today's Sunday. And so there was not a full paint crew. And so it wasn't the full vac- Mackie experience. And sometimes that's cost us like the last couple of years. So it was still big for us to get it done, even though it was at home. 
um, like you said, they, you know, they came out ready to play. They, they heard a lot of the naysayers. They heard a lot of, you know, what was being said that week and, you know, Illinois all week, their fans, their coaching staff, everybody was already complaining about the officials before the game even started. And so what happens? Edie gets in foul trouble and he spent pretty much the whole game in foul trouble, picked up four fouls, only played 23 minutes, only scored 10 points. So who stepped up? Uh, a certain guy that you said was was average, I think, a couple of pods ago um, in Trey Kaufman Wren. Uh, he was somebody that I've had to even remind my fellow Boiler Express guys that he was invited to Team USA camp uh, as a freshman coming out of high school. He was Mr. Basketball in the state of Indiana. He did win state titles in Indiana. He was a higher-rated recruit than like a Caleb First was. And he just had to kind of bide his time. He redshirted, uh, didn't play a whole lot last year, kind of was still learning the offense, was playing behind Edie. And he's worked his way into the starting lineup this year. And he's been he's been a decent scorer for us. And like I said, last year he scored 20 points in a game that Edie missed. So we kind of knew he had it in him. But he was doing everything. He even hit like a couple threes, I think, uh, in the game. I know he hit at least one. I can't remember if he hit a second. So, you know, that was huge for us. But, you know, Purdue got called for 17 fouls, including the four on Edie. Illinois only got called for 15. So, you know, I don't know what the excuse is next. And I think the next excuse I saw was, well, Edie spent too long in the paint. So now us World Express guys, are, we're sharing the paint. But literally three in the key, for all of you that don't know, three in the key is called different in the college game than any other level of basketball. That literally, if you have one paint out, one foot outside the paint, one foot in, and you just pick up the foot inside the paint, that resets the count. Every time you dribble, that resets the count. So that's why Edie, he learns the rules. He's a smart guy. And, you know, we didn't need a whole lot of that this game. We didn't need a whole lot of that. So it was, it was a really good game. It was good to see them weather the storm. I did predict that Illinois would make their runs, and they did. Um, they got back in it late. Um, I don't know if Purdue fans know what a flagrant foul call is anymore. Because um, if you go back to the Maryland game, Fletch got called for a flagrant foul when he barely tapped the guy. Like it wasn't even a call that you could embellish or flop on. He got called for a flagrant. Mason Gillis in the first half of this game literally gets like two arm chucked out of bounds, lands on his back. We thought he hit his head, might be out for the game kind of a thing. Not a flagrant foul. But then Lance Jones has a perfect box out going. And I think it was was a gear, like jumped over his back, get call, gets called for a flagrant. And that pretty much gets it to a two possession game. And now Purdue's sweating it, but uh, we got it done. Um, you know, Painter had to play a lot of shuffling there um, with Edie and and what we did with the lineups there because of the foul trouble. But uh, I'm pretty proud of Purdue and, and getting it done. And that's what five top twelve Ken Palm wins now this year. So huge, huge. Yeah, it's no doubt Purdue has the best resume in college basketball out of anybody. Um, the the teams they beat this year. And if I'm an Illinois fan, I know Illinois fans, you're you know you're mad about various things and I get it I'd be mad too uh you know we all have our 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 things but I mean you went into Mackey against the number one team in the nation got their big guy in foul trouble and came away with only a five-point loss I without Terrence Shannon Jr um listen I'm not trying to be all roses for you over here but you're a damn good basketball team if you can do that um Kent what were some of your thoughts on the game well, I heard, uh, Russ, I have a question for you real quick. You said there were some naysayers before the game. Do you think that they let the naysayers know then? <laughs> yeah, Link. They they definitely linked it up for that game, okay. for sure. All right, I just had to <laughs> I had to double check on that. No, uh, this was, I mean, I had my whole Friday night mapped around this game, and it like kind of lived up to the billing for me. It was just fun as like not a fan of either team to just watch this game. Um, but I came away from it. I'm more of a believer in Illinois now I feel like even after that because I already believed in Purdue like they kind of proved what they were going to be uh, a long time ago they've already played multiple top 10 teams so 
Um, I already know what Purdue is. I, I think that they're great. Um, but even even like on the second level, though, just even on some guys like Braden Smith has never been a guy that I've really been in love with. But I thought that he played a really pivotal role in this game, controlling kind of what Purdue was trying to do and hit some big shots. And then my favorite player on Purdue is uh, Mason Gillis this year. I think that he didn't score a ton, but the, the shots that he hit when he hit him just uh, swung the momentum back to uh, Purdue. And I thought that that was key. Uh, but like you were saying, Jr. Uh, Illinois, I still believe in them. You go into Mackey and you score 78 points um, and they just got done blowing out a pretty good Northwestern team. So it's not like Illinois had a bad week. I like uh, what they're doing, and I still think that they're a strong team to be reckoned with in this conference. For sure, yeah. I think Illinois definitely has a good chance of getting to the Final Four. Um, and, and to be honest, I don't know. I might like this Illinois team better without Terrence Shannon Jr. I know that's like blasphemy, and I know everybody loves him. And, and, and don't get me wrong. I think Terrence Shannon Jr. is one of, if not the best wings in college basketball this year. Um, but the offense just, I don't know, it just looks better uh, without – TSJ there um and again I'm not trying to dog him or anything like that it's just they're looking better and I really liked what Brad Underwood did when he went with the five shooters lineup what was that Damask um Hawkins and oh who's the other guys Damask Hawkins Goody Gurrier and uh Harmon I think that's who it was. That was the five-man lineup that Underwood started to go with, and I felt like that was the lineup that they needed to use the entire game because Ty Rogers, like uh, Matt Painter, did a masterclass of what to do against a guy when you have a really big guy who can kind of, I'm not going to say camp out in the paint, but you know, hang around the paint a little bit more um, and, and be able to guard that guy because uh, that's what he did with Ty Rogers, and it was it was a masterful plan to do, and I don't think Underwood really adjusted super well to that until he put that five-man lineup in or the five-shooter lineup in. And then when he finally (laughs) did that, that's when you saw Illinois go on their run to kind of get back into the game and make it closer. So um, I think Matt Painter did an awesome job coaching in this game. My one drawback is, and far from me to tell Matt Painter how to coach, but I, I, I personally don't like the shuffling a guy in and out like he did with Edie because Edie got his fourth foul. And then he started putting ED in for offense, taking him out for defense, put him in for offense, take him out with defense. And I get what he's doing there. He doesn't want ED to get his fifth foul. However, I just think it's really, really hard for a player to get into a rhythm and play when he's swapping in and out. And it's hard for the rest of the team to get into that rhythm and play when a guy is swapping in and out, especially a guy who's impact as impactful as Zach ED is. So, um, Russ, I'm sure you'll probably have a little bit of pushback there, but what are your thoughts on the uh, back and forth with Zach Yeedy going in and out? Yeah, I think I think he had to play that, especially as Illinois made their run, because I think his mindset was, you know, yes, obviously I don't want to pick up his fifth foul, but if Illinois makes the run and makes overtime, you don't want to go into overtime without Zach Yeedy to at least have him starting the overtime to get some kind of run going to get momentum. And so I think if we're down you know, a possession or two in that situation, he's not playing that with Edie. He's he's just leaving him in the whole game because he is too influential. But um, he was definitely, I mean, he was getting some of the different calls too. It wasn't necessarily, I think only one foul was actually a defensive foul as far as the guy posting him up and he got caught on a shot fake, I think, and then came down on the guy and they called a foul. He had two over the backs and then the one was a trip on a, on a set and a screen. So but, you know, even then still, like, you can't take that risk, I think, on defense to lose him on a touch foul because, you know, Illinois was obviously keying on him. They were talking about it all week, like I said, the way he was officiated and the way they're going to attack him. So 
Um, I, I understand it. I understand. It. I don't like it either, but I understand it. Yeah. And I, you know, far from me to give the refs credit um, at all, because I don't think that they, you know, called the best game ever. I definitely don't think the box out was a flagrant call. I think you could have maybe called it a foul, but I don't think it was a flagrant by any means. But at least I don't feel like the refs, you know, decided this game for anybody. I felt like, you know, there there was enough play out there that the players kind of decided the game. Ken, do you agree with that? Or did or were you a little bit more critical of the refs than I was? I mean, I didn't have a rooting interest, so I didn't think the refs were bad at all. It, I mean, obviously I was on Twitter throughout the game and I kind of got swayed by the Purdue fans that that wasn't a flagrant foul. I probably wouldn't have called that as well. Um, I wouldn't have called that a foul though at all. So I don't think that, I, I mean, but that's one call and this is, Big Ten officiating, so like this is going to happen every game. So I I just feel like uh, that's going to always be part of it. It's going to play a role, um, and it's something that good teams are going to have to overcome. And that's what Purdue did the other night. Um, Illinois wasn't able to. So you got to kind of go into the game with that mindset, like, hey, we're going to get a couple of bad calls. Like, let's not to like uh, not trying to call him out or anything, but Coleman Hawkins is like beside himself every time there's a call on Illinois. It's like, dude. They're going to make calls on you, on, on you and on your team. It's like He's, my new nickname for him is Coleman LeBron James Hawkins. That's all I'm going to say. I mean, like I said, I'm not a Purdue fan, but just watching that game as a neutral observer is just like, relax, man. Like go on to the next play close game right now. Like don't get so emotional about it, but uh, you know, it's college kids and they're going to do that. So um, yeah, it's a big part of it, but I thought the officiating was fine on Friday night. Yeah, I I go back and forth with Coleman Hawkins because on one hand I love the passion, you know, right? Like the guy really yeah. really cares and he wants, you know. So I love I love seeing the passion and the emotion. But I'm with you, Ken. At a certain point, it's like you gotta you gotta let stuff go and not let it linger in the back of your head. And that's what I felt like Coleman was kind of doing. So on one hand, I love the emotion and I love the passion. Uh, but on the other hand, it's like at a certain point you just you gotta let it go and just go out there and play ball. Uh, and unfortunately for him, he had that. Um, costly what was it traveling or something like that at the end of the game that uh hurt the i team. mean that was the game actually i think because yeah. they still had a chance to i what were they were they down four or six right there and he gets it in the corner on the inbounds it was six but then they actually purdue didn't score the next time down so they still got the ball back with the same margin but you had like 20 or 30 seconds off the clock so it was right. huge it was still yeah, huge, yeah. massive yeah. call so yeah yeah that was huge yeah uh traveling that's what it was yeah he yes was traveling yes with it was a travel seconds. And he knew it, too. That was the one that he didn't argue because he knew he did it. And the one he argued the most was the one where he basically went through Lance Jones on that three at the end of the half. Oh, my God, yeah. That was, like, the most obvious one. And I'm like, how is that the most animated you got? Like, I could understand arguments on some of the other ones, but... Yeah, and that's where I feel like like the frustration and the emotion got to him because, like, he almost just wasn't playing within himself at that point. Like, he was so frustrated with everything going on that he just went with it too much. So, it's tough. Uh, Russ, we got turtle heads here calling you out. Russ, my man, don't mess or don't miss a big 10 huddle. Respect it. Even if BXP left big banter. Uh, yes, BXP, no longer big banter, but that's all good. Uh, we got one big banter in our casual and our boilermakers here. So no hard feelings. We love Russ and we love the boiler express still. So winning has its privileges, I guess I'm, (laughs) I'm on here. Right. Any other final comments on the Purdue Illinois game before we move on guys? Nope. Yeah, I, I do want to say, like Kent said, I'll, I'll give Illinois its props, though. I, I do think they're still a top two to top three team in the Big Ten. And like you said, JR, they might even be better without Terrence Shannon Jr. Like, 
They spread the ball around. Damask is a star in this league already. So, you know, I think that they could really, like you said, be a Sweet 16, even a Final Four uh, sleeper team. So, yeah, they're they're definitely still – they have nothing to hang their heads about at all. And Goody, too. Luke Goody. Uh, I, I, I love watching Luke Goody play. Uh, I, I'm really, really excited to see him continue to progress. So, all right, let's move on. Wisconsin beats Nebraska 88 to 72. A huge game for Tyler Wall to be able to get 17 points. He hit a three pointer, shot pretty well from the field as well. But really, this was just all of Wisconsin working together uh, was a, was just too much for Nebraska to handle. I still think Nebraska is a good team. Uh, just kind of got away from themselves and uh, Nebraska struggled a little bit down the stretch. They were kind of making comebacks, but then Wisconsin would continue to pull away again. So I liked what I saw from Nebraska, but obviously, uh, this was not Nebraska's game. Uh, Wisconsin, just a really good team, a top three team in the Big Ten. They're probably going to battle Illinois for that second spot in the Big Ten, which is going to be really fun to see. Kent, what were some of your thoughts on this Wisconsin win over Nebraska? That's my first bullet point is that I'm ready to talk about Wisconsin as the second best team in the conference. I think they're better than Illinois. Um, I get a lot of pushback on Twitter about that, but that's fine. I get pushback from everybody, so it's it's okay. Um, but I, I do think that Wisconsin's the second best team. I really do at this point. Look at what they've done already. They already went to Michigan State and won, which it, the theme of this episode really should be it's impossible to win on the road, and they've done it at Michigan State. So that's an impressive win already. This win against Nebraska, they already beat Marquette, Virginia. Um, they really don't have any bad losses unless you're counting Providence as a bad loss. I love AJ Store. He's one of my favorite players in the league. Um, Wall and Crawl, the veterans that like kind of just bring everything that that team needs. Um, and they play with so much. I mean, they just play so smart. I know that's such a uh, a normal thing to say about white guys, but those two guys play really smart. Um, and uh, you know, you add some of the other pieces that they have around him. Even this week, like the games that they had, Connor Asijin doesn't play very much uh, in the first game this week, and then he gets some more minutes this week and comes right back in steps up and makes some big shots. So um, I really like Wisconsin. I'm, I'm, I'm all in on Wisconsin as far as, um, you know, if Purdue didn't exist this year, I think they would be the best team. Um, but we have this juggernaut right now in Purdue. And I'm not just saying that because Russ is on. I think everyone knows that. But uh, I really, really like Wisconsin. I think that they're going to, um, they've already proven it, that they can go on the road and win. But I think they're going to be right at, I think they will be number two when the season's over for the Big Ten tournament. So uh that's my thought on that. I didn't watch it. I'll be honest. I didn't watch a ton of this particular game, but I have watched Wisconsin a lot this year um, and I'm just in love with them. So that that's where I'll leave that with Wisconsin, I guess. Well, you had a lot of good things happen in this game. If you're Wisconsin to, you know, back up that kind of claim that you're the second best team in the Big Ten. You had Connor Asijin go four for seven from behind the arc. You had AJ Store. Um, he only got 10 points, but he also only played 20 minutes. So, uh, and he did a lot of really nice things. And like I said, Tyler Wall, uh, just a really, really good player who was able to make things happen. Uh, really a good focal point of this offense, really helping them out as well. So, I mean, if I'm Wisconsin walking away from this game, I'm thrilled. Uh, because Nebraska is, like I said, they're not a slouch. They are a good team. Uh, they had Rank Mast back for this game, and he and he took on 33 minutes. And I mean, that guy's a rebounding machine, and they only held him to only six rebounds. So, uh, and Juwan Gary didn't get any rebounds. Now I know he only played 18 minutes, but he didn't get any rebounds. So Wisconsin did a wonderful job uh, rebounding in this game and kind of taking that out of Nebraska's hands. Uh, Russ, what were some of your thoughts with Wisconsin and Nebraska on this one? Yeah, I uh back when we were part of Big Banter, <laughs> we did a uh, power rankings for college basketball. And the first 
couple, and I think pretty much the whole time through, we had Wisconsin at number two behind Purdue. And I think that that's what this game was more of a reflection of. I think Nebraska is still a good team. I think they still have a shot at being a, a double biased team. I still think they're that good and that deep. But Wisconsin has just completely changed their identity, right? Like it's not boring first to 50 points wins anymore now. Like 88 points on a good Nebraska team, you know, 55% from the field, 50% from behind the line. Uh, effective field goal shooting percentage of 65.8, which is 95th percentile. Shout out CBB Analytics. They just were were really great, really deep too. They spread it out, right? Three guys that open figures in their starting lineup, but two guys off the bench dropping 12 points. Like that's huge in the Big Ten to be that deep. Um, and, you know, yeah, it's it's really impressive to see what Greg Gard's done. I mean, I had him, I think, number three in my coach ranks, only behind Painter and what Hoiberg's actually done at the Nebraska team that they just beat. Uh, but they, yeah, they look really, really good. And they're probably arguing, look at the standings, right? Like second best team. We're the only team in the big 10 without a loss. So why, why don't you say we're the best till somebody knocks us off? So yeah, they're, they're really, really impressive. Yeah. I mean, by standings, you know, uh, wise, they would be the best team. Um, but, but I agree with you, Russ. I think, you know, second best or third best, one of those two, I really am going to be interested when I see them play. I need to look up when. They're going to play each other. They don't play. I got it pulled up right now. I think the March first game 2nd. is, yeah, March 2nd. Yep. And that's the only time they play this season. And it's yep. at Wisconsin. So that's a huge bonus for them. But, um, but yeah, no, I'm high on Wisconsin, man. I think Wisconsin's a good team. Uh, AJ Store is really, really hot for this team. Really, really good. Um, I remember last year, you know, Wisconsin fans were calling for Greg Gard. And I think he got into a little bit of a hard situation with some of the injuries and stuff that happened last year. But I remember at the start of the year, I said, don't don't be surprised if Wisconsin's really good because they bring back a, a lot of uh, veteran guys with a lot of experience. Um, you know, does Wisconsin have any, you know, like burners, really athletic guys who are, you know, future star NBA talents? No, not really. But they have guys who are experienced who work well together. Uh, and if you're going to get that kind of production from Connor Asijan coming off the bench, Watch out. I mean, this is a really, really good team uh, who can make a lot of things happen. And uh, and the defense is there uh, as well to really help with that. So, Kent, you have any final thoughts on Wisconsin-Nebraska at all? Yeah, what Russ was saying about how they're not like the old Wisconsin team, it's just really weird to like try to change my brain and see a Wisconsin game and be like, oh, they're going to score 80 points tonight. This is really weird. And to me, the only thing that changed is A.J. Stewart. It, is he the only reason they're they completely changed everything? It's it's just strange to see. Uh, I will say too, big week coming up for them. They got to go to Ohio State and then play a really tough. Like I know I already said, Northwestern's really tough, but they got to play them at home too. So, uh, I mean, this conference gives you no breaks. So uh, we'll see how they can survive this week and the rest of the league play and see if they can still be there at the end. I I, I still believe in them though. I I think they can be. Well, um, you mentioned them, so let's bring them up. Ohio State loses to IU 65-71. to Credit to IU. They uh, they played a really good game in this one. Uh, they, they were dominant down low. Ohio State couldn't buy a layup for stretches of this game. Uh, Kalel Ware was just uh, you know a dominant shot blocker. He looked like Zach Eady out there from time to time with how he was able to protect, protect the rim and make things happen. And, uh, you know, at the end of the day, it just wasn't Ohio state's night. Um, the, their star guards, Bruce Thornton and Roddy Gale combined 
combined for like 0 of 13 from behind the arc. So that's going to be really hard. And then, I mean, the story of the game to me was it, it seemed like every single turnover Ohio State had, it was just like a straight line to the basket for Indiana, and they were able to get easy points uh, in this one for them. So, um, you know, some of that is on Ohio State turning it over. And the other side of that is Ohio State, when they turn it over, they didn't have guys back to really, you know, stop them on defense or anything. So it was a tough night for Ohio State and a good night for Indiana. Uh, Russ, I know making you say nice things about Indiana is going to be hard, but uh, I think I believe you can do it. What were your thoughts on this one? Yeah, I mean, it's it's another kind of bitter loss, maybe not on the Penn State level, um, but a bitter loss for Ohio State to go up nine in the second half. You know, you start nearing double-digit second-half leads, and you start to think, okay, this is a game we've got. But IU jumped right back in it. They went on an 8-0 run, made it a one-point game. And it was pretty much the Malik Renew show in the second half. You know, Malik Renew, you know, he's a very talented player. And I've said before on here, I have said, I've I've choked my way through some nice things about IU that they have they have very talented players. They do. They can be... Uh, streaky at time they cannot you know Mike Woodson makes some questionable decisions as far as who he runs his offense through on a given night but this was definitely the night to feed Malik Renew and get them that that W in the second half and you know Ohio State you know it's still even as as a team that had a nine point lead in the second half and lost it's still a game you shouldn't hang your head about too much I don't think because it's a road game in the Big Ten I think that this is a league where you're gonna have you know we talk about power rankings I don't know what four through 14 looks like you know, I think we could all agree that Purdue, Wisconsin, Illinois, are the top three. But after that, it's kind of anybody's game. And you're going to see a lot of games like this between Ohio State and Indiana and, and several other, other teams that we're going to talk about later that, you know, this could be a, a game that decides what your seating is in the Big Ten tournament. But I think as long as you guys can, you know, as Ohio State can pick up, you know, a couple road games in the Big Ten, finish 12 and 8, um, you know, maybe 13 and 7, you're looking at 22, 23, 24 wins going in the tournament. And you're going to be really battle tested and still be, have a chance to make a Sweet 16 run, but yeah, Indiana just had had better skill in the second half this game. They hit their shots, and it showed that that they had the better skilled players. Yeah, I mean Ohio State, if they want to contend for a fourth or fifth spot in this conference, they're going to have to win road games like this. Road games when you're up against Penn State and Indiana. Uh, not to say those are bad teams at all. I think Indiana is a little bit underrated. I like them a little bit more than some other people do. Um, but especially Penn State. I mean, when you're up like you were against them, like those losses are going to come back to bite them, and and I think it's going to cost them a buy in the Big Ten tournament. Kent, what were some of your thoughts on this IU Ohio State game? Uh, the theme continues. I mean, it's hard to win on the road in this conference. It's the first three games we've talked about. It's really difficult to do it. Um, even if you are the better team, which I do think that Ohio State uh, is a better team than Indiana. I don't think that uh, that's outlandish to say. I know Indiana fans would probably think that it is, but had Ohio State, I'll, I'll defend them so you don't have to, JR. If Ohio State doesn't go ice cold the last like seven minutes of the game, they walk away from this with a massive win because to me, they had control of it most of the first, I mean, the first half and most of the second half too. Um, I always take mental notes when a guy hits like a big shot that I think like kind of turned the momentum of the game into, in this game for me, it was CJ Gunn. Uh, he hit a two that put him up three and it kind of shifted the momentum back to Indiana, gets the crowd back involved. And then the biggest shot of the night, I think was his three pointer. It was with about six minutes to go. And that put him up six, and it was just felt like at that point all the air got taken out of the Buckeyes, and um, it was a little bit too much for them to overcome with that much time left. But, um, yeah, I just felt like uh, Ohio State just couldn't hit the shots. I thought that they ran decent like stuff. 
And um, they just weren't knocking stuff down when they needed to. And Indiana took advantage of that. Like you said, JR, you got to give them credit for that. They got the win. But um, at the end of the day, I still think Ohio State's a better team than them. I think on a neutral site, they win that game eight times out of 10. That's how I feel. I'm just not, I just don't love Indiana this year. I like Kalu Ware a lot. Like uh, Russ was saying, Malik Renu, he's a really good player. I think they're finally starting to figure some stuff out together and they're spacing on the court together. But um, other than those two guys, man, I just don't, I don't like this team. So um, I'm just not a big fan, but congratulations to them on the win, I guess. I'll throw my hands up and say that. I think Mbako is coming around. I think it was a little uh, tough for him. And I know he only had five points in this game. And, and you can say he didn't have a great game. And, and you know, he only played 14 minutes. So I, I don't think it was the best game for him in the mm-hmm. world. But I do think he's coming back uh, in this game a little bit. Um, IU hit their three-pointers in this one. You know, they they did what they had to do. They weren't great from behind the three-point line. But, you know, 5 of 12, 41 uh, percent from behind the arc. You know, it's only five three-pointers. But that's a good percentage for IU this season so uh russ i want to read you some stats and you tell me what your thoughts are on them uh because these are baffling to me you ready i'm ready ohio state total rebounds 49 indiana total rebounds 27 ohio state total defensive rebounds 26 again total rebounds for iu 27 total offensive rebounds for ohio state 16 Total defensive rebounds for IU, 19. I mean, if you rebound like that, you should win the game. Am I not yeah. wrong, uh, Russ? I mean, you yeah, tell that's... me here. You're, you're the master of the rebounding god out there in Zach. Yes. Ewing. And we talked about this earlier with Wisconsin making the Big Ten look different on the basketball court. And that's that's an old adage in the Big Ten is you win the rebounding battle, you're going to win the war. You're going to win the game. And that just was – yeah, it's, it's baffling. It's not the case but or wasn't the case in this game, but – yeah, they also got 11 more shots off, Ohio State did, but they made two less shots in Indiana. So, you know, if you're getting the rebounds, you've got to do something with it too. So, you know, they like you said, you, you brought up their shooting that wasn't that great. And, you know, usually you, the numbers win, the volume plays out, and Ohio State does have talented players that should be able to hit those shots. But, uh, to yeah, to shoot more than 10 shots more than your opponent but make less than them, you know, that that's going to be hard to win when you do that as well. So, yeah. Right. Uh, and then Kent, the question for you. Um, so Ohio state had nine blocks in this game. IU mm-hmm. only had three. Do you agree with me that it seemed like IU was still the more intimidating team down low on the defensive side of the ball than Ohio state was, even though they had six less blocks? Yeah. I mean, that's pretty shocking. I think maybe some of those, did some of those blocks come from the guard position? I mean, I don't remember them I having couple, yeah, I need to look at, to that many, but yeah, I do agree. I think that, you know, Maybe it's because once Ohio State got inside, they just weren't shooting them. Like Russ was saying, they were so scared because I don't know what, man. Uh, but you're right. I do think that the guys down low were definitely more intimidating from um, in Indiana's perspective. Like you're saying, it felt like they had more. I'm surprised by that stat. I'm also really surprised by those rebounding stats. I know I said that it felt like Ohio State was controlling the game, but I did not know it was that dominant on the boards. That's insane that they lost this game to me. Yeah, the problem was is every time they got an offensive rebound, they just basically kicked it right back out. I mean, Felix Akpara had six points and 15 rebounds, um, and five of those were offensive rebounds. So, uh, But yes, I was correct. Dale Bonner and Miss Scotty Middleton both had one, so that's a couple for guards. And then Zed Key had two, and Felix Akpara had five 
blocks in this game. Uh, it feels but, like Zed Key has been around for a long... I know he hasn't been, but I feel like I've been watching him play since I was playing he's a basketball, senior. which has been a long time, by the way. I haven't played since high school. <laughs> so he's, Yeah, he's a senior. Um, definitely not as, as long as Aaron Kraft. But, uh, no, definitely not, but it just feels like he's been... I don't know. It's just... I feel like I've been saying his name for a long time. Maybe it's because uh, this is probably what it is. He hasn't transferred, has he? So it's weird to see a guy on the same team for this long. Yeah. Xavier Johnson has been around for six years, but he has only had three at IU. Yeah. Um, So, yeah. All right. Well, good information on that one. Before we move on, do want to remind you about CBB Analytics. CBB Analytics sponsors our show, and I get a free pro tier from them. They also sponsor Russ's show as well. So they have CBB Analytic, uh, what's it called, tiers or subscriptions or whatever they're called over there. But even if you don't pay for CBB Analytics, they're free stuff, and uh, all their stuff is great. It's really good information, really helpful uh, to know what's going on in the conference, see players, see team stats, all stuff like that. Uh, so it's just really great stuff. Go check them out. CBBanalytics.com, free or paid. Uh, it's all great stuff. Coaches in college basketball use it. Uh, and the owner of CBB Analytics, he has a background in helping like the NBA uh, in, in their analytics and stuff. So just super great stuff. Go check them out. CBBanalytics.com. All right. Uh, we are going to talk about this Michigan State Northwestern game. I have them next on the docket, but there's still two minutes left in that. I'm keeping an eye on it. Northwestern is up by 11, so looks like they'll probably take this one. Uh, but we'll talk about that one at the end. So we'll go ahead and we'll go on to Kent's Iowa Hawkeyes, who won 86 to 77 over Rutgers. Uh, Rutgers scored 77 points. That's impressive for them, but their defense just wasn't up to the task against a really good offensive team in the Iowa Hawkeyes. Kent, what were some of your thoughts in this game? Uh, I didn't, once again, this is, there's one of the two games I didn't get to watch all the way through, but, um, Iowa to me, like just watching what I have watched and what happened in this game so far, or what happened in this game, um, kind of difficult to figure them out because they're so potent offensively, which they have been now for a couple of years. I just don't understand how we can't get college basketball players to simply try harder on defense. Is, is this too much to ask for them to just do a little bit more on defense? I just don't get it. Um, I will say I thought Rutgers was going to win this game. I thought this was one they could go steal. So I'm happy that uh, Iowa was able to get the job done um, at home. I also do get a dollar from Iowa's NIL every time I mention Tony Perkins. So that's another dollar right there. So thank you, Tony Perkins. Um, no, I just really like his game. I, I, I'm not really like that big of an Iowa fan. I just really like him uh, as a player. But um, yeah, it's weird because they 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 do beat this Rutgers team, which for me, I think Rutgers is as a fan base at least. And this could be way off. Maybe it is. I think they're really focused on next year at this point. I I think that every time they win this year, they're like, yeah, this is great. This is a bonus, but. Everyone in chill, let's wait for next year. And I think that that's what they should be doing. If I was a Rutgers fan, I would be. So I don't think that they're very hurt by this loss. But for Iowa, how do you uh, win this game, but you lose to Michigan at home? I, I That's the one I can't figure out. It puts my brain in a blender because Michigan's terrible. So, um, yeah, can they get some stops there and keep scoring the way that they are? And uh, if they can, maybe they can move up the standings a little bit, but it just doesn't seem like they care to. So um, at this point, I think that they're just a middle-of-the-road pack in the Big Ten. 
or, or a middle of the pack team, I should say, in the Big Ten. And uh, they're going to stay there until they start playing some more defense. Well, I will put the full court press on on Rutgers for uh, I think most, uh, if not all, most of this game, and that was really their best. Oh, defense oh so they were trying defense. to play some defense this yeah, game. Yeah, but once the ball got over half court, that was kind of when the defense stopped. Um, yeah. But you know, I, but credit to Fran for putting the full court press on them, and it worked. They got some turnovers and were able to get some baskets. So you know that helped the Iowa offense in addition to everything else. Uh, but overall, you know, I think uh, it just showed really good stuff from Ben Creek. Creaky, Cricky, however you say his last name. Cricky. Uh, Cricky. I, I really like the way he played in this one. Uh, the new starter, I think, Owen Freeman, uh, him being able to do what he does. I really like his game. He's impressive. Uh, Russ, what were some of your thoughts on this one? Yeah, so you mentioned CBB Analytics, and one of my favorite features about them is they don't just give you the stats and of any range, any stat you want, but they add in percentiles. So for those that don't know, that is, don't know what that is, it basically tells you where that stat ranks against the rest of the country. So you don't look at that and go, hey, is 15 assists a game good or bad? You can see, oh, that's 98th percentile or that's 37th percentile. Um, and they also color shade it. So something that's really good is going to stand out in bright green and something that's really bad is going to stand out in bright red. When you look at Iowa's defensive stats, there's one thing that stands out in red. And that's what you just talked about in the Ohio State game. And that's offensive rebounding and defensive rebounding. They cannot rebound the ball on defense to save their lives. Rutgers had 17 offensive rebounds in this game. So Iowa steals the ball great. They play a great press. They they do a good job getting a stop initially, but they just can't box out and get that rebound. If they could shore up their defensive rebounding, I think that they would be a top half of the Big Ten team. I really do. But you know that's that's the one thing that stood out to me. One thing that stood out to me good about Iowa was Owen Freeman. Like you said, he might be one of my my favorite non Purdue players because he I, I think his nickname should be Mister And One. I think they even said that on the broadcast at one point that he just goes up strong. He plays strong down low, and I you know I don't know if there's a, a guy that I'd be more afraid of other than maybe Zach Eady because of his size to like try to stand on there and take a charge on as they're going towards the basket than Owen Freeman because um, he he was playing playing some good minutes for them. But uh, yeah, I mean, I would just, they're also not very deep. You know, that's the thing that stood out to me. They had only six bench points. And when you have a team that that much of your scoring is coming from your starters and really four of your five guys, if you're playing a team that can match up well with that, that's where you can see the night and day switch for Iowa, where they can look really good on a team that they win those matchups, but a team that can slow down their stars a little bit, or maybe you get one or two guys in foul trouble, it can look really bad for Iowa. Yeah, for sure. Um, I think Peyton Sanford in this game was was great for them to be able to do what he did. Um, he's he's not always been consistent to be able to do that, but uh, you know, twenty four points, eight rebounds, three assists in this one. That's really good for him. I think he was a huge piece in addition to uh, the lack of bench points, like you pointed out. Russ is you know there wasn't a whole lot flowing from there, so anytime you can get Peyton Sanford going uh, and help him have him help out the offense like that, it's it's really really positive for them. Uh, to be able to do that. Kent, did you have any thoughts on the full court press? And if you like that from Iowa, is you think, do you think that's something they should stick with? Do you think that's maybe just like something they use against Rutgers and maybe don't use against other teams? What are your thoughts on that for them? I didn't see, like I said, I didn't see this game in its entirety, so I didn't see that. But I do like any effort that McCaffrey's putting into trying to get stops. He's got to try something. So I appreciate the effort, definitely. I was glad to hear that from you, actually. Um, they should try anything. I mean, maybe start double teaming some guys like they used to do Steph Curry back in the day. Maybe, um, just double team the best player, let the other four guys or other three guys play a zone. 
Um, they should try anything because they got to start getting some stops. Uh, if they're going to compete at the higher end of this conference, like I said, they can beat Rutgers at home. That's fine. But you're also the way that they're playing right now. You're also going to drop to teams like Michigan at home, which is right. to me unacceptable. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, Russ, as far as Rutgers goes, obviously, you know, lost to Iowa, Ohio State, and Illinois in the Big Ten. They don't have a Big Ten win yet, so that's not looking good for them. Uh, is this a Rutgers team that, you know, the fans just should be looking forward to next season because this isn't it? Or what are your thoughts on Rutgers for the rest of the season? Um, yeah, absolutely. I think you put it pretty well there that it's a team that or a fan base that should look to next year. But I think it's going to be a nervous year for them because I don't know what the cutoff is for putting your name in the transfer portal or withdrawing your national letter of intent and, and changing programs. But that, you know, I said that a couple weeks back that, you know, Rutgers, their biggest priority really should be making sure they keep that great class that's coming in next year intact, because in this day and age where it seems like guys can change schools by the week, um, you know, until that guy's in the Jersey and on the court for your team, you know, I wouldn't count him as being a player for your team yet. Right. Yeah, I agree. I agree. All right, let's move on to Maryland beats Minnesota or sorry, Minnesota beats Maryland 65 to 62 in this one. This was a pretty exciting one from earlier today. Uh, obviously, uh, Minnesota, like we were kind of talking about pre-show, they're just kind of getting production from everybody. It's making things happen. That's kind of the opposite of Maryland right now. Maryland is just kind of the juju and the uh, Jameer Young show a little bit. Jameer Young, or not Jameer Young, Juju got in foul trouble in this game early in the second half. So that was difficult for Maryland to try and overcome uh russ what were your thoughts on this one and then when russ gets done can't you just go ahead and start right away because i gotta make this michigan state graphic since the uh okay game just ended we'll do that <laughs> there we go it's our show kent let's go man yeah, let's take over we're taking over now <laughs> but uh you know minnesota's record is 12 and 3 right now quietly 12 and 3 and i think that the question should be asked is are they a tournament team because i think they very well could be and they're having the season that maybe Maryland thought that they were going to have being 12 and three Maryland's across the, the court, looking at nine and six and looking at needing to pretty much win, you know, probably all but two or three of the games the rest of the season, just to get to like 20 wins and try to have some kind of resume to make the tournament at this point. So I put Ben Johnson, I think at seven on my coach ranks that we, we did pretty recently. And it's making me look like a pretty smart guy. I think like, I think Minnesota, like you said, they spread the ball around. They, they are not a team that is going to get shut down by you, shutting down one of their top scorers because they've got so many other guys that they're willing to spread the ball around with that that uh they're, they're going to get it done and i think that they they could be a tournament team at this point yeah i mean i i started believing in them a little bit like a tiny bit as much as you can in minnesota during the missouri game and that's a game that they actually dropped i talked about this with jr last time i was on they were up big in the second half and then missouri just comes back on a tear the last like seven minutes of that game and ends up beating them by two. That's a win that they could have really used to put on their resume though, because you look at the rest of their non-conference schedule, especially, and it is, uh, it is a lot of Arkansas pine bluff. If you get what I'm saying, um, just not a lot of big wins so far for them, even though they have all the, the number of wins that you're looking for, they might be able to get to 20. Um, are they going to have are they going to have enough wins to the, in the non-conference to put them over the edge if they are on the bubble? So they're going to really have to do some more damage in the conference. And uh, I'll be honest, I'll be really frank. Um, the teams that they've beat so far, 
are to me bottom tier teams. They beat Michigan, they beat Maryland, and I, I guess they did beat Nebraska. That's a big win. That's a big win for them. So as far as the resume building, I think that that's their best win right now. Um, but like I said, really could have used that Missouri win. Uh, I was talking to Jr. before we started the show. I did not like Ben Johnson last year. I didn't know what he was doing. Um, I thought that he it just looked like he was kind of lost at times. I saw, I think on two occasions in March last year, Minnesota getting 10 second violations when they weren't getting pressed, like just walking the ball up the court. So and that's hard to do at any level, but they did it a couple of times. So, um, yeah, I just I didn't know what to think about him last year, but I've kind of had to switch and do a 180 on him. I think he's doing a great job this year so far. I think he's doing a great job so far. I will say, I think this is a roster that's built to go on a losing streak. And I wouldn't be surprised if it happens soon. Um, I'm not all the way in on Minnesota, but they do have my attention. I'll say that. Well, and I think what's positive for Minnesota is they they have a favorable big conference schedule uh, or yeah. Big, yeah, big 10 conference schedule. They face Purdue once uh, and they face, who is it? Illinois once. Um, mm-hmm. And do they face Wisconsin twice? I think they only face and Michigan once. state once. Oh, no, no that's yeah. twice. State, I just saw twice. the second Wisconsin one. Wisconsin is just once as well. Yeah. 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 So when you have Purdue once Wisconsin once Illinois once, like that's my biggest thing for them is like, yeah, I know it's a, I know it's kind of a weak schedule and I hate to say that because that's not Minnesota's fault. Um, yeah. And it feels like I'm like dogging them. I'm not trying to dog them for that. I'm just trying to look at the world of college basketball and what the tournament people look at. Um, and so if they don't pull off one of those, that can be hindering to them. But honestly, I think if they pull off either the Wisconsin and that one's at home or the Illinois game, you're looking at a at a tournament team if they win enough games. And honestly, I think they can do it. I think they can win at Indiana uh, in their next game. I think they can beat Iowa. I think they can win at home against Michigan State. I think they can take care of Penn State. I mean, that, there are teams in this conference that they can take care of, and they won enough, and they did enough, and their non-con, at least their win total, got high enough to where they can be able to be a tournament team this year. Now, do I think they're going to be past a bubble team? No, I think if they get in, they're probably a bubble team. But at the end of the day, I don't think Minnesota is the, you know, door, doorstop, doorstep of this conference, whatever, or, uh, doormat that's what i'm looking for i don't think they're the doormat of this conference as as they kind of were last year i mean last year correct me if i'm wrong guys they only had two conference wins last year they have three now i mean yeah in your fourth big 10 game you have three i know i know it's not the strongest big 10 competition out there but that's awfully darn impressive and i think that minnesota fans have a lot to be excited about with the future of this team because if they if they do what they are supposed to do in this conference they could make it to the tournament now on the other side of this Maryland fans aren't going to like me, or maybe you will like me. I don't know, uh, because maybe you do once your coach fired. Uh, but Kevin Willard, what in the world is going on? I talked about how Matt Painter did a good job coaching. I talked about how Brad Underwood did a good job coaching. Holy crap. Kevin Willard does not have any idea w- what to do with this team. Uh, I forget. What's the name of the guy? Oh, I, I don't even know if I want to say his name. I don't want to throw him out there. But um, they, they put a guy out there, like 30 seconds left in this game to shoot a three pointer. 
Why? He didn't have any points. He didn't make a three-pointer. He shoots 33% on the year. And you're going to trust this dude to, again, I don't want to say his name because I don't want to throw him out there. I'm like, throw him under the bus. But Kevin Willard, what are you doing? Why are you not putting the ball in Jameer Young's hands? And the next possession, Jameer Young comes down, shoots a pull-up three-pointer, and drains it. I mean, I, I just I don't have any words for what Kevin Willard is trying to do. I don't think he knows how to run the offense with this team. I don't think he knows uh, how to do anything if Juju or Jameer Young is not running it through them. And at the end of the day, what is what is Jordan Geronimo doing starting? I mean, he I know he only played 16 minutes in this game, but what what is going on there? I, I I just I don't like anything that Kevin Willard is doing with this team. And, you know, I, I'll let Tricky take care of the firing. I know Tricky was all about firing him uh, in our last podcast. And, you know, Maryland fans probably want to do that. But Kevin Willard just seems lost to me right now. And this is not a healthy place for this Maryland program. Russ, I'll let you take your shots in because I know you want to. What's going on with Maryland? I mean, you said it all. It's It's a complete mismanagement of the talent that they have on their roster. You know, it's another team that I'll, you know, I'll give some flowers like like IU, like Indiana, that they have talent. He just doesn't, like you said, doesn't look like he knows what he's doing or what to do with them. And especially when they're hitting a slump, it's like he doesn't know how to react. He doesn't know what adjustments to make. And, you know, yeah, it's it's hey, it's one it's one more win on the schedule for a lot of Big Ten teams. So they can just uh, say thank you. Uh, hopefully Kevin Willard will stick around the rest of the season for some of these other teams like Illinois is waiting on Juwan Howard in Michigan. You know, the other teams are just going to be like, hey, keep that job, Kevin Willard, till the end of the season so we can get those dubs. But Who can't you tell me? Who should be fired first? Juwan Howard, Juwan Howard. or Kevin Willard? <laughs> okay. <laughs> I was wondering Easy. Was but I will say, I will say last year at the Big Ten tournament, uh, I was able to, because there wasn't a ton of people on the, at the Thursday game, so I actually watched uh, this game on Thursday night last year, right behind the Maryland bench. And uh, I don't want to put anything on the internet that uh, Kevin Willard can come back and, you know, hurt me about, but I'll say this after sitting right behind the scores table, closer to the Maryland bench, um, I walked away from that game and it made it really hard to cheer for Maryland going forward after seeing him up close and personal. I'll leave it at that. Hmm. Wow. Yeah. Well, he's got that Bobby Knight personality without the wins to back it up. <laughs> you said it. <laughs> I guess I did bring him up earlier in the show. So that's true. I had to get a shot in at some point. That's so. true. Um, also, that was the that was one of the games where uh, Minnesota had the 10 second call, by the way. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> that's funny. Yeah. Um, oh, geez. I had the. I had the uh, graphic already, and then I just found out they changed one thing with Boo Boo's points, so I have to change that really fast. Um, Russ, talk mm-hmm. about Maryland for a couple more minutes while I do this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, keep talking about Maryland. Don't make me do that. I can answer your question more fully. I can answer your question more fully if you want okay. me to. Go ahead, sure. Okay, I was just going to say, because you asked me about Jawan Howard or Kevin Willard. I mean, Jawan Howard is, uh, I know I don't know if we're gonna still going to talk about the Michigan game or whatever, but uh, yeah, um, he's got to go immediately he should he should be fired tonight um he health issues or whatever aside like that team is even worse than maryland so discombobulated and um i was just texting with my buddies about this today i think it's just like what russ was saying about maryland and indiana i think that michigan has highly recruited guys i think they have very talented guys they don't have a clue what they're doing and I'm looking at, uh, you know, Big Ten Network right now. 
And poor John Beeline is on the screen, and he has to talk about this Michigan team sometimes. And you talk about a, a difference in culture between a guy that could develop talent and a guy that simply just brings in recruits and says, hey, let's they're going to get the job done. It's just a complete uh, 180. He's got to go. He's got to go. And obviously, John Beeline's not doing anything. Bring him back. Yeah, yeah. I'll agree, too, on that that question about Juwan Howard or um, Kevin Willard. It's definitely Juwan Howard. He definitely has to be the first to go. You know, I've talked about before, he has the NBA mindset that, you know, the NBA is full of talented guys, and they just a lot of times kind of throw them out there and play iso ball. You know, the guys that get paid the most money, they get the most shot attempts. That's kind of how you run the team sometimes. And there's always somebody that's coming up behind them that's ready to step in. You don't even really have to recruit. You just – there's always somebody on the bench ready to go. And he's it's that that style does not work in in the college game at all. Well, should we just talk Michigan next since we are already talking about them? Sure. All right, let's I get it Michigan over State with. Ready, but yeah, we'll get it over with. Uh, Michigan falls to Penn State, seventy three to seventy nine. Um, I think you could make the story either way here. Good game for Penn State, bad game for Michigan. I think both kind of apply. Uh, Penn State deserved their flowers. Uh, you know, Michigan deserves the mud, whatever you want to give them for this one. Um, and the worst part about it, I said it last show. The worst part about it is this: this might be one of Doug McDaniel's last game in a Michigan uniform if uh, the academics thing does not work out for him. Apparently, he might become ineligible after the ninth. Uh, so what is that? This would be his last game for them. I think they don't play. Yeah, this would be their last game for him if he de- is declared ineligible. So a hard way for Doug McDaniels to go out if this is his last game. But um, I don't know. If I'm Doug McDaniel, it might be nice to just go ahead and leave because things are not pretty for this Michigan team. Ken, what were your thoughts on this game? Uh, I don't think he cares at all. Like that, they lost this game. I mean, have you just the 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 everything about that team, the roster, the every like everything that they do is just like they don't care. They definitely don't care. Doug definitely doesn't care that they lost today, and that is potentially his last game. And it, if he would like to dispute that, I would laugh to see him on video saying that he was upset about losing this game. There's no way he cared. Um, I do want to focus on the other side, though, JR. You said there's two ways you can go. I would love to be, or I would love to see, I should say, this is the game that kind of turns things for Coach Rhodes because I think Coach Rhodes is great. He just has to, like, kind of put things together, and it's taken a little bit longer. Well, it's not taking that long. It's his first year. But I think, I said when he got hired, I think that this year is just a complete wash. You don't have to worry about anything because he's going to be trying to build something be great if this was like a turning stone for them and or a turning whatever you want to call it and they start building right now is what i'm trying to get at it would i'd like to see them maybe pick up a few more wins maybe pick up some momentum uh because i like what he's doing he's got a roster basically completely loaded with team or players that weren't on the team last year none of these guys were at penn state last year so um i'd like to see them turn it around especially after the year that they had last year for their fan base that I think that's, I think it's good for the conference when Penn state is good. And uh, I think coach Rhodes um, to be in a more positive light about coaching. I think he is the guy for the job uh, at Penn state. And in the long, long haul um, he will turn it around and they'll be back at the top of the conference sooner than later. I agree. Mike Rhodes, I think he's a good coach and I think that he's going to really help this team along the way. Uh, It's going to be really, really positive for them. Russ, what were your thoughts on this game? 
Yeah, and I don't know how many uh, teams got so lucky or how so many teams got so lucky because Penn State only plays Wisconsin, Illinois, and Purdue once as well. So they're a team that can definitely pick up some some wins late in the season. Uh, they are only one game above 500, so I think that the tournament is a, a pipe dream. I don't think that's going to happen this year. But like you said, it's a team that could definitely build momentum, could play spoiler a little bit, uh, and knock some of these middle-of-the-road teams in the Big Ten out of the tournament with, with some losses. So, yeah, and I, I wanted to throw out a stat up for you guys that might be surprising. And it, it kind of gives it away since it's the game we're talking about and the team we're talking about. But what team in the Big Ten is the only team with a winning record on the road in true road games? Only team in the Big Ten. In only Big Ten games or in all of the games? All games, all season. True road games. Uh, Penn State? It's Michigan. Oh. <laughs> but I was going to say Michigan, but I was like, I don't remember the last time they won. I know they beat Iowa on the road. Who else did they beat? Um, they uh, see. I, you you got me on that. I didn't <laughs> didn't write. That's down the, the only one I can remember off the top of they my head. St. Uh, John's. I mean, they beat Stanford. But St. John's was neutral. Are we counting that? At that Iowa, isn't... they won at Iowa. Yeah, that game. And then it does claim it's at St. John's. At St. John's. Yeah, and at Stanford. Yeah. So, but okay. they also are the only team in the Big Ten with a losing record at home. So figure that wow. out. Wow. <laughs> So, that is very interesting. Isn't that ironic? But uh, yeah. yeah, they, I mean, it looked like they were going to take control of this game early. They had a 10 point lead pretty much about eight, 10 minutes through the game, and they took that lead into halftime. But then Penn State came out just ready to play, and they just kind of slowly, melodically worked their way back in. I think they took like a 16 to 8 run the first five minutes or so of the second half. But then they added a 10 0 run on that in the middle of the game, and they just kind of took control and never looked back. And yeah, I think Juwan Howard's days and minutes are numbered. And in this day and age, it's not the traditional you wait till the end of the season to fire your coach because with the transfer portal, with recruits changing their mind, with the all the money out there for NIL, all that stuff, you've got to, if you're going to make the change, make it now because that's only going to hurt your program to wait longer to fire somebody like that. See, and I think that's the hard part is because, and this is always why I say it's a bad move to, uh, not always, typically it's a bad move to hire a coach who used to be a player who doesn't have any, you know, coaching experience before at the college level. I didn't really like to hire with Mike Woodson. I get why IU did it. They really needed to go with somebody who could kind of get the fans back and get the energy back. I really did not like to hire for Michigan coming off of John Beeline. I felt like Michigan was at a point where they could have hired, you know, a big time coach to come in there and kind of continue things on like John Beeline had going. Uh, but obviously Juwan Howard didn't do that. He kind of took the team and uh, kind of, you know, nosedived a little bit after that. They did make a sweet 16. So, you know, he's done more more than Holtman has done at Ohio State, but still, like he made I, an elite eight, I think. Did he? Yeah, elite eight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He went to an elite eight, so you know he was able to do that. But ever since then, you know, the team has just kind of nosedived. It's gone downhill, um, and it's really, really unfortunate for Michigan because I'm with you, Russ. I think you need to fire a coach in the middle of the year uh, in a situation like this, but I don't think Michigan can. I think that Michigan. You know, like Jawan Howard has too much of a legacy there. His son is on the team. Um, I just, I feel like Michigan's going to try to be nice guy and keep him on until the end of the season. And it's going to kind of be like a mutual parting of ways. Um, but I'm with you, Russ. I don't think that's the right thing to do. And that's what's so hard about bringing in a guy who used to be uh, playing for your school and who has history there because you look like a jerk if you, you know, 
if you do end with it like that. Uh, Kent, are you with me, or do you think they'll fire him in the middle of the season? Man, that's that's really tough to say. I don't I don't think that they will either. I'm kind of with you on that. Yeah, I think they'll try to hang on to him. I mean, like you said, he he made the tournaments the first couple of years, and he made it a bit of a run. In fact, that if I'm remembering correctly, they were a Franz Wagner shot three point shot away from a Final Four the one year. Um, so they had that run, but then it's like after that, it's all it's going in the wrong direction really fast, and that's what the problem is. Is how bad they've gotten so quickly. Um, I don't know. Maybe they're trying to let him survive this year and then give him one more shot next year. I, I just can't see it. I don't know. I just can't see it happening. It's 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 too much of a win now, like everything in sports is. Like you gotta win right now. So I just don't see how they can keep him till the end of the year. But to your point, I don't I also don't see them firing him in the middle of the season. Yeah. Uh, Russ, I know, uh, I, I assume you saw that he let Phil Martelli head coach this game because it was in the palestra and the Philadelphia and stuff like that. And I know that this is kind of a nice thing for Juwan Howard to do. Um, but to me, your team is six and eight. You're one and two in the conference. They're six and nine now, one and three. I, I think Mr. Nice Guy is out the window at this point, and you just say, sorry, Phil Martelli, I got to coach this game because we need wins. Did you like the move to let Phil Martelli head coach, or what were your thoughts on it, Russ? No, that's that's terrible. That's terrible. I mean, I, I hope you guys are right. I hope he stays around as long as possible because I think the only teams that, the only fans that should be rooting for him to be fired are actually Michigan fans. The rest of the conference should say thank you for every day that they wake up and Juwan Howard is the Michigan head coach. Maybe he's taking a page out of the football program's book by letting somebody else coach the game and hey, maybe it'll work out for basketball, but that you don't exactly have the program and the team built up in basketball that the football team does. Yeah. So and yeah, I I just it's it is it's it's funny to watch from the outside. And like I said, it's almost like you're rooting for the guy to not be fired, even though that's what should happen, because this conference isn't gonna get any easier. We're adding four quality programs next year. And so we need as many bottom feeders as we can if you're a, a middle of the road or top tier basketball program. So you want Juwan Howard to stick around as long as possible, but it doesn't make any sense at all. It does it makes no sense. I agree. The only the only reason is some kind of an emotional attachment of some sort. And uh unfortunately when you get that we just talked about it with Coleman Hawkins. You know, emotions and passion is good, but it can it can be a detriment as well. So, all right, let's go to our last one. I worked really hard on this graphic, so I hope all the information is correct. <laughs> Northwestern beats Michigan State 88-74. to 74. Um, I kind of had a side eye on this game while we were doing the podcast. I know you did as well, Kent. Uh, what were some of your thoughts about this big Northwestern win over Michigan State? Yeah, I know Russ was talking about ranking uh, the coaches in the conference. Uh, you know, Coach Collins is my favorite coach. I think he is, uh, I think, I still think he is the best coach. I think given five of the exact same level talent guys in a couple weeks to prepare, Coach Collins would win every tournament because I think he X's and O's does the best job. I think he gets the most out of the guys that he has. Um, I am surprised by this game, though. I will say I was fully back on the Michigan state bandwagon. I thought that after a little bit of a rough start that they had, they, the Baylor game was what really turned it around for me, like blowing them out at a semi neutral location and then kind of getting hot on the next couple of games as well. I thought Michigan state would win this game. I thought that they were going to be able to go on the road and win. How dumb of me to think that in this conference that someone could win any road game. But, uh, 
I'm also not surprised by this. I think that this is, I talked last week on my podcast, actually, uh, that this was the game that I was most excited about this weekend after Friday night. Um, and I think that these teams are pretty evenly matched. Um, they, they didn't play at Michigan state yet. Did they? Obviously it's pretty early on. So I'll be excited to see them go back up to Michigan state. If they're even playing that game, we're noticing that some teams aren't playing twice this year, but anyways, at any rate, um, I'm surprised Michigan state lost, but, um, I'm also not surprised that Northwestern won. Is that possible to say in the same breath? <laughs> uh, Northwestern does face Michigan State on March 6th uh, at Michigan State. So that'd be we'll great. See this again. Um, no, I think I think the story of the game was Boo Booey and Ty Berry, right? Boo Booey comes away with 19 points, 10 assists. Ty, per- Ty Berry has, what, 24 points? Didn't really do much outside of that. But when you're scoring over 20, uh, that's kind of what you need to do for your team to win. Uh, and at the end of the day, you know, Michigan State just didn't really have an answer for him with defense. Uh, and it really showed throughout the game. Uh, Tyson Walker was getting really heated at one point. I think it was him that got a tech. Like I said, I was just watching. I didn't get to hear it because we were on the podcast, but he got the tech uh so you really feel a lot of frustration coming from this michigan state team right now and if tom izzo isn't careful uh that could start to derail the team now tom izzo one of the best coaches in the conference if not the best coach in the conference i know that's a heated discussion but i think everybody can agree he's at least one of the best um and so he needs to get this team under the control if anybody can do it it's tom izzo uh but i think we're looking at a scary situation here for spartan fans because it doesn't seem like things are going in the right direction russ what were your thoughts on this game yeah, and uh, we, you know, I wasn't keeping as much of a side eye on it, but when we came on, I think it was something like a fifty-nine to forty-one or fifty-nine to forty-three ball game for Northwestern, and at that time, Boo Booey only had six points, so it wasn't, you know, people were going to look at this box score and think, oh, Booey had a pretty good game, and he did, but he had ten of their last thirteen points to kind of help salt the game away. It wasn't right. a game where he really played a huge factor in them dominating Michigan State, but you know, Michigan State is. They're in trouble. I mean, nine and six. And, you know, I know you you talked about them maybe turning around after you made the prediction that they're going to miss the tournament. And a lot of the metrics like Ken Palm and uh, the net out there still love Michigan State, but they play at Illinois this Thursday is their next game. They have Illinois twice left. They still got to play Purdue. They still got to play Wisconsin. And, you know, having nine wins, possibly dropping a nine and six after the Illinois game. You know, you're going to have to, you know, rack some wins together to to make a case for getting in the tournament, even as like a last four or next four in. So that's, that's one thing I'm watching after this game is, is not just how well Northwestern plays this year, but how does Michigan state turn it around? Are you guys already play? Sorry, JR, let me cut you off. But are you guys already playing the uh, schedule game where like for Russ, for like Michigan state, for example, you said they're at nine wins. Like, do you try to look for 11 more wins on their schedule? I like to play that game before I fall asleep at night on my phone. It's a really fun one. 100%. 100%. I, I did it a lot when we did the uh, the New Year's resolution show where you sit there and you look at a team's non-conference and go, man, even if they go 12-8 and eight in the Big Ten, that puts them at 19 wins on the season. Like That's going to be hard to make a case for you in the tournament. So you're definitely, I think early January, mid-January is definitely the time you start having to, especially if you're one of those bubble teams right now or one of the teams that they're even saying is out of the, out of the tournament because a lot of places only have like six or seven teams in the Big Ten in the tournament at this point. Like You've got, you've got to play that game. I think we should only have three from the Big Ten make the tournament this year. That would be ideal. Only three? Yeah. You're going to knock your boy Chris Collins out? Man, you just said such nice things no, about Northwestern's him. three. Oh, it's, okay. it's Purdue, Wisconsin, and Northwestern. Uh, okay. I'm, just, I'm kidding, by the way. 
I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm don't kidding. Illinois, me, fans. Illinois fans. Don't come for me. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm joking. You're not talking about angry coaches like Willard. You look out for Underwood. He's not, you know, he's not a very yeah. happy looking dude. No, either. I like it. I, I just, hey, I said I'm back. I said I'm back on Illinois on this show. I said I'm a believer now, yeah. even after the loss. You were the one, though, that said that you wouldn't get a beer with Brad Underwood, though, right? Did I, I? I remember I made a list last year of like which coaches. I think that was I Spartan to... Dog, maybe, because he was the one that did the coach and rank show. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. I made a list of the football coaches I think I wanted to have a beer with the most. I can't remember who I had first at this point. It had to be like Loxley or somebody. Loxley would be good. Bielema's yeah. probably got some stories when you get him at the bar. Who's that? Bielema. He's probably got oh, some yeah. stories. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. That's a good one, too. Yeah. <laughs> he was definitely in the top five for sure. Yeah, yeah. On topic, it's a basketball episode. We can't talk too much football. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, when I, I, I kind of play the same game and, and I like to look at uh, bracketologists.com. Uh, They're a really good website for this kind of stuff. And uh, Northwestern, they have only a handful of quad one games at the moment still left for them. They have Wisconsin. They play at Wisconsin. They have at Nebraska. Illinois and at Michigan State. So if Northwestern wants to uh, get into the tournament, they're going to have to win at least two or three of those in my mind. And then they're going to have to dominate the rest of their quad two games and their quad three games. Uh, not obviously they'll have to win every single one of those, but you can't drop the ones you're supposed to win in the scenario. And that Chicago State loss is going to look really, really bad on Northwestern. That's going to be one that's going to be hard for them to overcome. So they're going to have to have a better quad one record than like a 50-50. They're probably going to have to, you know, be five and four, uh, six and three, something like that in their quad one games if they want to be able to uh, to conquer that. And I don't think Northwestern... Oh, no, they do play Purdue again. That's another one of their quad one games. Well, I was going to say, you can't really... I mean, I feel like, from my perspective, as a diehard Northwestern fan, um, I I think that the Chicago State and Purdue games at least have to cancel each other out. I don't think that that, you could say that that hurts you. And if anything, I would say that if you just take those two games alone, um, it helps them more than anything. I mean... That's a that's a massive win, and I I feel like I mean I will be shocked if Northwestern doesn't make the tournament. I love them so much. I love the coach so much. I love the way that they play. I I will be really surprised if they don't make it this year. Imagine looking at Big Ten teams at the end of the season, and you're in that committee room, and you're looking at Northwestern, going, "Man, they have the best win and the worst loss. How how does this happen?" Yeah, <laughs> yeah, right. I agree. Just cancel them out. Um, well, here's the thing. And I always like looking at the standings of like other groups and stuff like that, but net has them at 80 right now, which is kind of okay. baffling to me, but it's probably because of the Chicago state loss. Ken Palm has them at 76 or 70, 67. Sorry. Uh, BPI has them at 58. The only thing that they are top 50 in is KPI. Um, so I mean, they're really going to have to get some of those rankings up if they want to be a tournament team. Now, I think they can do it. I think that Boo yeah. is fantastic. Um, you know, I'm not as high on him as other people are. I know other people want to call him the best guard in the league. I think he's top three. I wouldn't take him as the best guard in the league. But um, but I still think that Chris Collins has himself a really good team here. And I think it it's not just the Boo show. Ty Berry is really good. Brooks Barnheiser, Landborg, um, and, and Nicholson. I'm also high on Matthew Nicholson, the the, the big man for them as well. So um, I think Do you think they're better than team, Nebraska. Yeah, I think Northwestern better than Nebraska personally. So update. I think two, they're better than Ohio State too. One of the great things about Ken Palm is they updated almost real time. So Northwestern's up to fifty six in Ken Palm now. Let's oh. go. That's what. That's, what, that's a eleven an eleven point jump in Ken Palm for one win. 
pretty big. That's pretty Let's big. Okay. Okay. So, Kit, you don't believe me? You you don't think Northwestern's better than Ohio State? Man, that's tough. I like Ohio State a lot, so uh, it's that's tough to say. I think that's a great matchup, but I I lean Northwestern. Yeah, I guess. What do you think, Russ? Ohio State or Northwestern? Which one's better? Uh, I got to take Ohio State if I'm betting on that game. You I, so? You know, North, Northwestern they they look like that frustrating team that Purdue loses to, and then they they drop a lot of other games, and you're like, man, can't you do some other work to make that loss, loss look not as bad? But it's funny how how much my mind changes after each and every single game, like. You're asking me right now if Northwestern is better than Ohio State after they just beat Michigan State. If you would have asked me that same question right after the Illinois game, I'd be like, oh, Ohio State, easy, easy, Ohio State. <laughs> like, it's just crazy how much it can switch in my brain. It can. It can. So, yeah. All right. Uh, Michigan State, what do you guys think? Are you with me? You think they're going to not make the tournament? You think they will? Just vibes. What are your thoughts? I don't know. I, I, I always feel like um, Michigan State. I have t- I have a couple of really good Michigan State friends, and I've always given them uh, a hard time about the tournament and how they didn't make the tournament the year that UCLA beat them in the play-in game. So they actually did miss the tournament recently because they didn't win the play-in game. They didn't get to play in the tournament. They lost the play-in game. No, but uh, in all seriousness, I think that uh, I think Michigan State gets the benefit of the doubt. At all times. So if they're even, if they can get to 18 wins, even the committee's going to be like, we got to put Tom Izzo in here. You guys know what he can do in this tournament. We got to put him in. So uh, I think for that reason, I would say that they still have a very good chance to make the tournament, but you're right, man. You're looking at the numbers at this point. They're good. I think they have to turn it around. I think they have a harder time making the tournament than Northwestern at this point. Wow. What do you think? I do. I mean, I don't know. Yeah, I'm, I'm I'm looking at the math, and I think they can only lose like four or five more games to be able to get to even 19 wins. And you're talking about at Illinois, you know, you're talking about still having, you know, Purdue on the schedule. You're talking about Illinois actually twice. Sorry, Illinois at home. You got at Indiana. Um, the game is at Purdue against Purdue. You've got Northwestern still. Uh, I mean, Minnesota's looking better, and it's at Minnesota. The barn's always a tough place to play at Wisconsin. I mean, it's you know. They're going to play some some perfect basketball if they're going to make the tournament, I think. But yeah, they they are a team that gets the legacy treatment. You know, if they get to eighteen wins, I'm sure they end up being like one of the last four in, and then we'll get to watch them lose to like Wyoming, and we'll be like, "What were you thinking, committee?" They were thinking they got to extend the streak. They got to keep the streak <laughs> alive, which I don't understand. Why I I don't get it. There's been multiple years I feel like they were not. Uh, like I would say in the last 10 years, there's been at least two years where I didn't think they deserved to get in and they still got in. So I don't know. I think Michigan state is that team this year that needs the big 10 to be good in order to make the tournament. And that's my biggest thing with them is they're in trouble then. Yeah. I don't think the big 10 is, you know, respected like they have been in the past because in the past big 10 teams have gotten those out of conference wins to earn them a bit more respect. Uh, but you know, Ohio State and Penn State both lost to Texas A&M. Northwestern lost to Mississippi State. Um, you know, there's a, a, really the only team that dominated their out of conference against you know, uh, you know, good teams out of conference was Purdue. Um, you know, I know Wisconsin beat Virginia, and they had another win out of conference. What was it, Marquette? I think. Yep. Um, yep. But then they lost to another team as well. I can't remember off the top. Of my Arizona. Head. They got drugged by Arizona. Yeah, yeah, they lost to Arizona as well. So you know, Purdue and Wisconsin are helping things out, but Ohio State they didn't 
they didn't do a good job out of conference. Um, you know, uh, and, and really nobody else, you know, I guess Michigan beat Stanford and St. John's, but uh, I just don't think the Big Ten has the respect this season that Michigan State needs the Big Ten to have. Because what did Michigan made it? Michigan made it like a couple years ago when they were like 17 and 14 or something like that. Like they were almost 500 and they still made it. Uh, I can't see that happening with Michigan State this year. And I think they need that. So I'm sticking with it. I might lose my bet to Tricky, but I'm sticking with it. I don't think Michigan State's going to make the tournament. We'll see what happens. Hold on. What's the bet? Uh, I think I have to send him a Buckeye, which I don't even live in Ohio. So I don't know how I'm going to do that. But uh, I have to send him a Buckeye nut. If I uh, lose and then if he loses, he's going to send me like some Old Bay and other stuff from Maryland, which I can pick up Old Bay at Kroger. So I don't know. Why <laughs> that, but, you know, apparently this is authentic Old Bay. I don't know. Oh, yeah. Um, it's a real deal. But since I'm on the Big Ten huddle, I don't get to make like the if we win, we make a bet, you know, kind of stuff with them. So this is kind of my bet to make with them because Tricky thinks that Michigan State will still make the tournament. So. Hoping I get to eat some Old Bay uh, in April. So we'll see. But Or March, I guess. Uh, but that's all I got for tonight. Uh, you guys got anything else about the Big Ten you want to mention before we get out of here? I think, we, I think we covered it all in the best way possible, JR. Good job tonight. I think we did, too. I think we did, too. And uh, if you are wondering, yes, uh, Kent is going to be hanging out with us for the rest of the season. Russ was with us tonight. Uh, it does say co-host under Kent's name. Oh, Kent let's go. I didn't even notice that. On Sunday nights, uh, just like how Justin's going to be with us on Tuesdays during football for January. Kent's just going to chill with us all of Sunday nights for the rest of the season. So we appreciate that. Uh, and I'm sure we'll bring Russ back every now and then, uh, but only when Purdue gets a big win. Right, Russ? Hey, I'm down. I'm down. Football season was rough. I guess I, got, I kept coming on here after we lost the football game. So I got I got a little gun shy on the, on the huddle for a minute there, but basketball is redeeming it. So. Yeah. Well, you had plenty of time to get on after a Friday night win with a Sunday night episode. So, so yeah. yeah, I appreciate you having me for sure. Welcome back anytime. All right, everybody. Thanks so much for listening to the Big Ten Huddle. We appreciate you. Thank you to Kent. Thank you to Russ coming here. Have a great night. See you later.